Contenders ready! Gladiators ready! Three, two, one! The Gladiators! Hello and welcome to another instalment of the GladPod in association with Gladiators TV. I'm David Blackmore and joining me on my gladiatorial journey once more is Jet and producer Paul. Thank you so much to everyone who continues to like and share this podcast on social media. It makes a huge difference. It really does. Let us know who you've passed this podcast onto or if someone has passed this pod onto you. Get in touch. Let us know. Could you believe that you didn't have this in your life before? Gladpod at gladiatorstv.com is the email address you need. There's a couple of letters, Di and Paul, that I wanted to talk through with you before this week's podcast. So first up is Michael in Falkirk. It won't surprise you, Di, and you're probably going to roll your eyes already, that you were his favourite. But he mentioned really loving the leg guitar that you did. And it made me wonder, how did that come about? What, what did, Was it something you thought of already? Or was it something that just came, it happened, and then people loved it, so you did it again? How did that one come about? <laughs> Still to this day, I can just remember being on the Hound Tough podium. It wasn't a great deal of space, and I had the hand guards on, which meant I couldn't do any, like, flip flaps or sort of round, a sort of back bend into a flip flap or anything like that, like Kim and I, Lightning, used to do. So I remember being kind of all rigged up with my hands were like this thinking and it was hey rock and roll bum 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 that came on and I thought oh just pick my leg up pretend I'm doing my guitar on my leg and I have no idea where it came from it's just a little bit of improvisation to not be standing looking like somebody very out of well out of context and out of the end of the podium just I just yeah, it was, I have to admit, a lot of the kind of signature moves and things a lot of us did, they were either very contrived and very well thought out, or just kind of like a mad moment of improvisation, because um, you just didn't want to stand there in two tiny bits of light crew of everybody looking at all your bits, ooh, and not move. So yeah, the, the name of the game was to keep moving, improvise, and I have no idea where it just came up. As soon as I heard that, I thought, yeah, just going to play a guitar, oh, play my leg as a guitar, why not? <laughs> I don't know. Dar- dancers improvise with movement a lot, so I-, I had a lot of stuff there. I think to to pull from, to draw from. It's definitely something that comes up on social media. It's one of the, it seems to be one of the most popular gifts, doesn't it, Paul? With all, all the gladiator gifts that are on social media, that seems to be the one that gets used quite a lot. It's like the iconic move, isn't it? Really, like everybody remembers the jet leg guitar. Or tries to do it as well. Like the amount of my friends over the years that I've tried to imitate that and ended up nearly injuring themselves. Michael goes on to say that he would love us to speak to Eunice. And I think actually most of us would agree with this one. Michael's mum's favourite was Trojan. And uh, Michael also mentions meeting Zodiac when he was younger and getting her autograph and would like us to speak to Zodiac as well. Michael, all three are on our list. Actually, I think Eunice and Zodiac and, and Trojan, I think they all come up quite regularly in our correspondence from, from you guys. And I know that producer Paul is, is working hard to secure these these chats for a later date. I know that Eunice is on social media. So, hey, no harm in you know sending a few messages saying, I'd love it if you did the GladPod. Just, it just 
helped our cause a little bit. And I'm not so sure about Trojan and Zodiacs, but if you meet them in the street, just drop in a little line, say, look, the Glad Pod celebrating things about gladiators. Why not get in touch with them and, and share your story on the on the Glad Pod? But Eunice is definitely one that we're hopeful for, Paul, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the time is that they're really interested in. It's just trying to find the right time that we're all available to make it happen. So, yeah, definitely reach out if you're on social media to all of them, any of the gladiators, any of the contenders, send them our way. We'll get them on. And Ross Smith contacted us from Edinburgh. Um, I love now that now that I've said to you guys, start sending us um, where you're from. Everyone now includes where they're from. So, you know, we're in Scotland now for our uh, correspondence. He starts with how much the podcast is bringing back memories of gladiators something that we, we hear quite regularly here and that it's been a, a common theme of our messages and it's great to read i mean it's the same for us really and our guests too ross loved hearing the podcast with cobra and hunter and i know that we've mentioned before about them two them two being together on one podcast and it just got me thinking what other duos could we kind of pair up for a podcast? Which which kind of people do you think together? I think we said about Eureka and Rebel would be um, quite good um, to have them two on as, as a duo. But Paul, what about for you? What would be a, a good pairing? I'd love a Jet and Zodiac episode, personally. I think that would be amazing because I know you both are really good friends, probably have tons of stories there as well. So... Jet and Zodiac would be amazing. Rebel and, and Ulrika, again, both really chatty, good fun. So that would be another fantastic episode. Wolf and John Anderson. I mean, iconic duo there. I'm sure they'd have a lot to say as well. So many, so many over the years. Die for you. Uh, taking you out of the equation, because we, we mentioned about Cobra and Hunter before and how much fun that would be. What other pairings would you would you put together? Well, thank you for pairing me with Kate, Zodiac. She is one of these people on the planet who can make me cry laughing. She's just a very, very funny and beautifully put together lady in every single way. For me, gosh, um, I I don't... Um, James Hunter is always good to put with anybody because he just, he's very dry and he has, he's still glad, he's like a stick of rock gladiator through and through in, in every aspect of his life. And he, he just almost becomes a really good anchor for anybody. So you could probably put him with anybody and bring it out. So I'm looking, I'm thinking more of the boys, maybe him and Saracen, because Mike, um, Mike Lewis, Saracen, he was very kind of, um, very congenial, very laid back. But I know James would probably tease quite a bit out of him, which would be very nice. James and Wolf, actually. Panther and Vogue as well. Like those two ladies are hilarious together and really good friends as well. So I think the pairing of those two would be an hilarious episode. I agree. Yeah, and I agree as well. And I think actually that's, you know, definitely for, for the series. Because I think like we've perhaps found with this, when people start sort of reminiscing with Die, that suddenly more stories come to fruition. So I think that kind of stuff works well, and especially if your your memories are focused on someone. So you'd have, like, you know, Hunter say, well, actually, I remember Cobra, you doing this, this, and then something going, oh, yeah, now, now I can remember doing that. Because sometimes what you remember wouldn't necessarily be what someone else would and, and, and vice versa. Ross also mentions us getting lightning on the podcast. Yes, along with Wolf, the hunt is still on, Falcon and Scorpio. And what I found really interesting in, in getting everyone's messages and suggestions for guests is they all mention different gladiators, like just these two here, Wolf aside they're mentioning different gladiators and, and die I think 
that just goes to show, and we said it on the show a few uh, on the podcast a few times, actually, how there is a gladiator for, for different people. People warmed to certain gladiators, and not so much. Well, I mean, I think people liked all gladiators, but they warmed more to some than others, and how everyone had their favourites. That's right. I think uh, the Spice Girls were being formed at the time because one of the drivers that was sent to my then flat apartment maisonette where I was living in Surrey at the time. Yeah, I've just been out to Berkshire and I'm taking a carload of these girls. They've brought these girls together. They're going to be called the Spice Girls. And I was going, oh, very good. Interesting. They're going to be a pop group. They're going to be really big. The reason why I'm remembering that, not only because one of the drivers was obviously one of their drivers at the time when you were sent cars, is that there was a kind of a Spice Girl for every demographic. It made me think about gladiators. That's a really good question. I think there was there was definitely someone for everybody. Whether it was conscious decision on the on the likes of Nigel and Kenny to, to cast that way, I don't know. And it was really lovely about the original series is organically we were just allowed to be what we wanted to be. I think only Wolf was kind of given a bit of a remit of going, go on, be a baddie. And he just didn't want to be the baddie. He wanted to be loved by everybody. And I remember saying to him, and I've, I've discussed it before, you know, you, everyone loves a good baddie. And to be honest, you'll be loved more because of it. But I don't want that die. I know, but go with it and do it well. And didn't he just? So, yeah, I think there was a, a bit of someone for everybody. I do think it was like a pop band that was formed together and it was just one of those things that the magic just worked you know like some bands they get put together and you can kind of tell that they don't really get on or don't really gel whereas I think the gladiators group especially in the first like few years when it was building up personalities of the people just really gelled together and I think that came across on screen as well so I think that was just something that even if the producers did try to like pick and choose people the magic was just there with those people that they kind of worked together as a, as a really strong team couldn't agree more don't forget everyone to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram remember you can get in touch with us and share your glad stories by emailing gladpod at gladiatorstv.com almost forgot it would be great if you can give us a five-star rating and review on itunes or whatever platform you listen to the glad pod on die over to you to uh, introduce this week's guest three The world knows her as Sharon Davies MPE Olympian swimmer. However, to us Gladiator fans, we were blessed to have her as Amazon amongst our ranks. And before we get to all of that, good morning, Sharon. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, my darling. It's so lovely to see you. Oh, Sharon, it's great that you're going to spend a bit of time with us right now. I have a, a, a sneaky feeling that just our 45-minute hour interview we get with everybody is just not going to be enough. So um, let's kick off with how it all started for you before your Amazon days. I remember you sharing a story with me about your swimming days as a young child, that even when you had broken arms, you had to put plastic bags on your arms to swim because your dad made you. Let's go back to how it all started for you, Sharon. Oh my gosh, yes, good memory. I was like every other youngster like yourself with gymnastics and Kate with her athletics and so on. We were all just doing our sport, really, just being normal little girls. And I used to ride ponies and do ballet and then I did swimming. And that was the thing that I was kind of made for. So all the other things fell away. And by the time I was about eight or nine, I was swimming most days. The arm thing came along when I was 11. So I was still a terrible tomboy. And I was up a tree and I fell out of the tree and I put my arms down to save myself. And I broke both bones in both arms. But I was in the woods by myself. So I had to pick my watch up and walk home, which I did. And I walked into the kitchen. I said, oh, dad, I think I've broken my arm. And he was coaching me by this stage because my coach had retired. He'd taken over. And he said, well, support it with the other one, Sharon. I said, I can't think I broke that one as well. So they put me in plasters from here to here. The old days where they kind 
I did it in very serious fashion from there to there. Great for stopping me from picking my nose and biting my fingernails because I couldn't get anywhere near my face. And two days later, they had blue fingers. So they had to redo them and then they had to recheck them and re-break them. But, you know, long story short, a week later, my dad went, well, you've missed a week's training. And I said, I know. And he said, well, I'm sure we can wrap them in plastic bags. So we went by Tesco's, picked up a leather plastic bag, wrapped them in plastic bags, and I just trained for three months of two bright knobs. And I was never in pain. I mean, it was a little bit awkward, but they just kind of sat on a float and I just kicked. And then the following year, I did my knee in. I snapped my cruise ship, which I finally finished off on Gladiators. So he tied my legs together for three months. And then the following year, I made the Olympics at 13. So there you go. And a lot of people were, oh my goodness. But like I said, I wasn't really in pain. It was just a bit awkward. And it just meant that I, you know, wasn't sat at home with nothing much to do apart from change records because that was really all I could do. Well, uh, and I guess in many ways, those trials and the endurance that you had to go through, determination to get through, to get from, from there... To, to where you ended up. I mean, presumably laid the foundations for what was to come, certainly with Gladiators. Gladiators was such a different story because for a long time, I kind of avoided it. I mean, it was a massive show, but I was very worried about losing Sharon Davis' swimmer because I'd worked for 15 years of my life for six hours a day to do that, you know, and, and that was what I was incredibly proud of. And Nigel Lithgow kept asking and I'd been presenting the kids series with Daily, which is called Train to Win, which is our sort of junior version. And I love being around everybody, but I was just a little bit worried about about losing my personal identity. And then in the end, it was a little bit like, well, if you can't beat them, then join them. So eventually I ended up being Amazon. And I remember being desperate to be ICE, but ICE had already gone to someone in America and I couldn't have it, so I had to be Amazon. Standing at the foot of the wall, it's Tracy! And she's going to be chased by Amazon! There's Nightshade screaming advice to Amazon. Time is running out! taking her advice. She's changed her grip. She's gone for the harness. It's so close. Oh, she stripped her on the timeout. Well, it's too close for me to call. I don't know about you at home. You got a better grip, didn't you, Amazon? You first had her foot and then you got hold of her harness. That's right. She's a long way up there, so I had hold of her foot and I just couldn't quite reach, so I jumped near the end. I thought I'd just go for it and I managed to get hold of the back of, back of her harness here and then pulled her off. Well, there's only one man who can have the final result and the final say, John Anderson. You've uh, seen it back on tape. What's the verdict? Well, Eureka, it was very tight. I've checked the video and I'm delighted to be able to tell you that the whistle went before Tracy came off. Five points, Tracy! What did you think of Amazon as the name then? Well, it was fine. I mean, obviously it's got quite a good... You know, I just wish now that I actually registered that so that I'd had the rights for it and then I could have sold it for an awful lot of money. I love your business mind. Always have admired that. <laughs> we, we have quite obviously quite a history. I remember thinking, gosh, we've got Sharon on the team. And I remember, again, coming to your house. I think you were Northampton-based at the time. Was that right? Yeah, you're right, actually. Derek and I had a yeah. house on the golf course down there. Yeah, and he was doing the show, wasn't he? He was doing all of the training stuff so I was there anyway with him doing all the coaching you know so it just seems kind of sensible to be properly involved what was it like for you to actually you've done you've spent so many years on a world stage and we know you for the athlete and I remember you sharing about you know I spent hours a day with my face in the water you know being sort of out there and kind of a glamorous figure that's having to talk and do lots of other things like weight bearing athleticism because you were worried about that because everything in the of course your body's supported and you're floating there were so many kind of niggles and we had this really great conversation I remember so many little bits of it but I want you to just think back now about what it was like when you first got the call to say hey would you consider even being a gladiator take us right back to that moment what, where were you what was happening genuinely don't remember because I don't think <laughs> ever 
I don't think there was ever that phone call. You know, it was literally because I was around doing the children's TV show, being around because Derek was there. It was a sort of passing comment from Nigel, you know, right. do you fancy doing this? And then me initially not being too keen to do it, not for any other reason than, as I said, just worrying about losing Sharon Davis, the swimmer identity. And then it just being such a huge show and it, it didn't make any sense kind of not to be involved after a while. So it was never about fitness because I'd always still kept myself reasonably fit. I suppose there was a little bit of a worry about injury because, you know, nowadays, gladiators would not get through health and safety. I, I, I would not be a chance in hell because there was a lot of things that we did that were very risky. And so obviously that's in the back of your mind, you know, especially when your body's been your temple as an athlete for such a long time. So yeah, and then then there was the other aspect of it as well, which was that it was an amazing physical trial, but it was still entertainment. And so from my perspective, it was trying to balance up the entertainment version with the competitor that I was that wanted to train and come at it from a kind of an Olympic Olympian's perspective rather than coming at it from someone who was wearing a very small leotard and swinging my hair about. Those two things conflicted just a little bit sometimes. Do you know what we heard pretty much the same thing from Rebel Jennifer as well? Just that transition from going when you're an Olympian and uh, by all means correct me if I'm wrong Sharon, as well, you're very much focused on you you go in the pool it doesn't really matter what you say before it doesn't really matter what you say after it's what you do in the pool whereas with gladiators it's not only what you do on the each of the event it's also about what you're saying before what you're saying after each event isn't it it's not so much the saying it's the looking we spent a great deal of time in makeup and hair and, and it was all about how the, the lights and the cameras were working and often we would get an opportunity to practice on a particular game a challenge and they were more interested in practicing and getting the lights right than they were giving us the opportunity to actually practice the game. So I did a game called Tilt and there was no time for me to do it whatsoever until I did it in the show. So the very first time I did it was in the show. And I'm like, this as an athlete was mental you know, because yeah. how do I be the best I can be if I'm not allowed to train? <laughs> well, a debut event for Amazon, world famous medal winning Olympian and looking to prove She's just as awesome out of the water. So that was very hard to kind of square that circle. That for me was the bit that was difficult. Not the talking, because I'd been involved in the media. I presented TV shows. I'd done all sorts of things by this stage. So that side of it wasn't really an issue in the slightest. It was the sort of outward appearance and the opportunity to be professionally proficient on each game as you possibly could be. And therefore, how do I get enough training time on this particular thing? So you didn't really. You just decided to try and work out in the gym and be strong with your upper body, you know, being able to control your upper body. And again, the advantage was for those guys that had been there from the beginning because they kind of all developed together. Whereas when you come in the show a little bit later on, you've got such a lot to learn very quickly. Yeah, I'm thinking it was really stressful, but I've said to a lot of the guys we've spoken to so far, at least we had more exposure to the events to tr actually train and get some... Because I'm, I'm a thinking athlete. I like to plan and organise in my head how I would attack, what angle of attack, where would I need to be, where would my weight distribution be, etc., etc. And that takes time to be thrown onto an event with absolutely zero training what did you have to do mentally then did you do a bit laissez-faire thinking do you know what well this is what it is I'm not going to change this I'm going to get no chance to train for tilt I'm just going to have to do it. Was that stressful? Well, of course, because the last thing you want to do is to let yourself down and also to let you guys down. You know, I was a member of Team Gladiator, so therefore it's about the best <laughs> I could do. So I remember just talking to to the, the gladiators that had, had done that event before and just trying to get the tips off you, really. That was the, you know, the biggest 
positive I remember that. that yeah and you know making sure that you have to get back you have to tilt back as quick as possible because we're up in the air we're tilted the wrong way and we're higher up so we've got to get tilted backwards as quick Absolutely. as possible or you've got no chance you know you no because gravity is totally nicely against you so it was and also what was very different with us and I'm sure loads of the girls have said this before is that we were not on the whole um, maybe apart from, from Bernie and Helen we were all kind of athletes we hadn't come from a bodybuilding background we yes. hadn't come from a background where we had say two stone weight advantage we were exactly the same weight as the majority of people who were actually competing yep. and you won that tilt didn't you I did Gosh, how did you remember that? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I was so determined to win that. And the second of our female contenders to tilt is Kay. And she's going to be pulling against Amazon. Looking at the tail of the tape, Kay from the Isle of Lewis stands 5'8 and tips the scales at just over nine and a half stone, whereas the Amazon has the advantage of an extra two and a half inches in height and exactly 10 pounds in weight. Just before you entered into the arena for the first time, remind us, did you actually have to do any form of tryout, though? I was so jammy, really, because I know so many people do really nasty tryouts, and I know Derek desperately wanted to do it, and he put a load of weight on, and then made him do a tryout, and he snapped his Achilles in, in the middle of the tryout. And it was so frustrating, because in training, he was really good. You know, he was like a winner. But they wanted, they had that image with the guys that they were so much bigger, so he had to put on so much extra weight. Whereas with me, because Nigel had been asking for quite a while, when I eventually said, yes I think he was just oh god get her in a suit quickly put her in something <laughs> before she changes her mind <laughs> yeah. yeah so no I did not I didn't do any try not that I remember what was it like going into the arena for the first time yeah I mean it's such an intimidating place isn't it because we recorded yeah. everything in the summer the stadiums were chucker the noise was amazing I remember being given my song and you know having to come out and you know you wonderful gymnast lot we were like flip flacking all over the place that's not something swimmers can do you know we <laughs> <laughs> everywhere so it, yeah we had to do our entry and um, all our stat pictures and all the rest of it oh it was all good fun I mean, it was a lot of hanging about you know yeah. gladiators when you're watching the television on a saturday night you've got that condensed program haven't you they don't yeah. see how much hanging about and hanging behind you know the set whilst they're moving all those great big pieces of equipment around you know and how much time you've actually got to fill i find that quite difficult and presumably when when you're swimming and when you're competing every minute is accounted for in your preparation to the event and then afterwards you, you know you have your media commitments or whatever and you go whereas I guess with this the hanging around must have been quite a frustrating time for you perhaps yeah and we didn't really even have a schedule so if we were you know recording two shows a day I think sometimes we even managed to get three in but let's just say we were doing two shows a day we did not know when we were going to be actually doing you know the, the games that we've been allotted and we often wouldn't know those games until before until the John and whoever had decided what we were doing and then sometimes that might change because someone gets yeah. injured or something happens so you didn't you had to really learn to just go with the flow which was, is different like you say compared to an Olympic athlete who knows when their warm-up's going to be when their race is going to be you know and they've had 10 years to prepare for this one thing you had to be definitely a lot more flexible do you remember the game that they brought in Di, where we had that sort of tug of war thing you know and they had tied our hands together and we oh were, gosh uh, and you were in a ring on the floor yeah and all we had to do was stay in the circle but all that they had to do as a contender was get us to take one step outside of the circle That's it. we just ended up with our shoulders being wrenched out of their sockets whiplash whiplash is there a trick to staying in the circle um not really as you can see it's a tough 
tough one for the girls because we don't have the weight that the guys have got. So we have to use a different technique just to try and move with the contenders. Um, as you can see, you run into each other, which you really should try and avoid, but it, it's a good game. We nearly did it. Let's hear it for Amazon. Yeah, there were some serious, serious games where you just think, oh, I just need my body to hang together on this. And my shoulders are so flexible as a swimmer. You know, I've had operations on both rotator cuffs because it's, it's our area that we tend to, to have problems with. And I was just de dreadfully worried that they, you know, we were going to end up with massive shoulder injuries. The, the one thing I wanted to know, Sharon, was in many ways you were kind of the second well-known person, celebrity, whichever way you want to describe it, to sort of join the show, the first being Nightshade. Did you feel like you were treated differently? And did you feel like Gladiators wanted you to be on, on the team? Um, gosh, that's a really difficult question, isn't it? Because the show was like 17 million people, you know, on a Saturday night. It was just massive. And it was growing all of the time. And then, then it was going to different countries. And then they were adding different international events. So the whole thing was kind of a moving feast because they were, we were constantly trying to bring out new games and constantly trying to, you know, just do something slightly different. When I joined, obviously there were, people had their sort of set areas, but I joined at the same time Vogue was coming in. So it wasn't like I was arriving by myself. Um, you know, we came at the same time and there was a couple of guys. I think, I think Mark came in, Rhino came in at the same time. Time. So there was four of us coming into the team at the same time. And then again, there was a couple of people that were actually leaving. I don't think I ever felt that way. Well, it was it was a turning point, wasn't it, for Gladiators? Because you had Shadow had left before. It, it was a bit kind of, which way is Gladiators going to turn? And in some ways, would you agree that maybe the producers perhaps used having you on there as maybe a bit of extra good PR with the bad PR they would have got with Shadow leaving? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, do you know, all PR is good PR, isn't it? It's the world we live in. It's a very weird world. Not the for one moment that we condone, you know, people doing things they shouldn't be doing. But I do think sometimes the program benefited from this kind of dark side as well as the light side. You know, it was just an interesting environment. And it was always a bit of a dichotomy to talk about, let's just say, testosterone use when the world of men's bodybuilding is probably full of it, if we're very honest, if we're being absolutely honest about it. And so you're asking these guys that have been brought up in gyms where it was used like smarties to all of a sudden change their way of doing things. And yet everybody still wanted them to turn around and look like a brick, you know what, when they arrived on the set. <laughs> it was really hard for them. You know, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place, whereas we probably as girls didn't have that. That, that issue well yeah and you had rhino coming in who was an absolute well even to himself he's you know nicknamed rhino and being beefy as well and you mentioned vogue as well is this right did you oversee vogue's audition tryout Do you know what i did yes when you asked me about the tryout i'm thinking i'm sure i wasn't at a tryout but i wasn't doing the tryout so <laughs> i must have been there and I remember, yeah, it was in a gym. I think probably because Derek was there at the same time, if I'm honest. So I don't know if it was me being asked by, you know, London Weekend Television to go down there and see out Vogue. I think I was there because of Derek. And then they went, right, you saw Sharon, she's here, go and tell her to hold the stopwatch or something. So I think that was probably more what happened, if I'm honest. And what was it like watching Susie back then try out? What did you think? What was going through your mind as you watched her? Yeah, and who else did we have try as well? The really lovely tall medic ambulance lady. I, I remember as well. Rio, oh. Rio. Rio, yes. Ah. Rio, yes. So, so there, was a, there was a couple, you know, at different times. Um, and then, of course, Nigel was changing as well. So I got on really well with Nigel, but not quite so well with his replacement. <laughs> Who was 
that? Sorry, I'm even in the dark. So I'd left. Who came in back. after Nigel to produce? Come on, it was Ken Warwick. Ken. Yeah, Ken Warwick. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny was there from the beginning. All right, you he took over from Nigel, didn't he? That was the thing. So he was kind of oh. Ken was this right hand man, and then when Nigel left, Ken took over. And he has a very, uh, from what I remember, both of those were they were from a very showbiz dance and choreography background. So they were very kind of looking at the aesthetic all the time and how it would translate down the camera. Yeah. And here we are dealing with raw athletes. I know. I mean, you must have had your tongue in cheek chuckling away sometimes at some of the things you must have kind of come across. And here's the big, big like thing that I always remember. My first game was atmospheres. They put you in your gerbil cage and you roll it around the floor. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I'm quite, I am. I mean, I'm five foot eleven. I was five foot. I'm five ten now, but I was five eleven in the old days. And you know, I'm reasonably strong. You know, and and the girl that I was up against wasn't terribly big, and was really finding it quite difficult to move those. Mm. They were hugely heavy, weren't they? Big iron cages that you had to roll around in, and they had yeah. pods, and we had to keep them out of the pods. And I remember pinning her to the corner, and then getting such a bollocking afterwards from Nigel. And he said, "What are you doing?" And I went, "I won the game." Yes. That's what I was supposed to do, right? Win the game. And he went, but it was boring. You pinned her to the corner. I went, but Nigel, I won the game. <laughs> he went, I don't care. Push her around the arena next time if you need to. <laughs> and so again, that was what was hard for me to deal with, was that, you know, for me, it was about win the game. I could stick her in the corner and hold her there, then stick her in the corner. <laughs> driving the orange atmosphere. She'll be banging up against Amazon. Jackie's in the yellow, and she'll collide in the middle with Panther. Panther will be giving away £4 to Jackie. Linda, on the other hand, faces a massive £21 deficit against the Amazon. John Allison ordering Amazon to move her sphere. Jackie breaks for a three-pointer on pod one. Scores! I think John Anderson giving Amazon some stick for stalling her atmosphere. Linda still struggling on two there. Here comes Jackie again with another free run. And there goes the whistle. Disappointing show from Linda. In the replay, Linda had neither the speed nor the strength to smoke it. Bit sad, really. Possible, literally to try and get the atmospheres to move well, when you're stationary she's she's quite a small girl and they're very heavy so obviously she was having a real difficulty moving it and obviously I couldn't chase her she couldn't move it so I just stayed with her and kept her off the pod and we did a thing together on pyramid do you remember when we were doing pyramid together one time and they said we don't care if they get yeah. to the top providing you fall down Loads of times and it looks amazing. That's it's right. It's all about launching yourself off the pyramid. And that's where this contradiction all the time came into it for me, you know, was the performance versus the athlete. And the athlete was about how do I win this game? Television producers about how do we make this look really entertaining? Yeah. And it was a very conflicting thing because, of course, the safety issue, you and I both know the, the, the nemesis that is pyramid to any athlete. You know, you've got meter high blocks. You've got to have lovely hip flexibility, good long hands strings to be able to clear you know to be able to just bound up without on all fours tick 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 you can do it but nothing prepares you for the double tackles the big falls which is what they wanted because they were visually spectacular but the amount of joint sets your knee my back my 
neck, everything. So as you approach an event like that, psychologically, you're thinking, yeah, I want to win. I'm an athlete and I I don't want to lose face, but also I want to walk away from this event, not be scraped off the mattress, the crash mat at the bottom on a gurney. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that was the one that finished me off eventually. You know, as I I finished what was left of my cruciate ligament in my knee, I was the lovely lady, the contender was a police woman and she was absolutely mortified, you know, but it was just, I jumped off with her and we've fallen awkwardly and she just fell on my knee and whatever was left of it just went and that was it you know Amazon looked like you took a hefty knock there on the leg what happened well I think it's really just the way you fall and she happened to fall on my leg when it was on the floor so uh, my foot went one way my knee went the other but it'll be all right I must say you defended the top very very well there was no space for her at all I lost my shoes did you see <laughs> my shoes are down here somewhere and I wasn't getting very good purchase on the actual pyramid itself, so I was pleased that I kept her down. Well done. Thanks. It's here for Amazon. Well done. So speaking of Kenny and Nigel, what were the, the producers and, and the rest of the guys behind the scenes like with you after your accident? Not terribly sympathetic, because the problem okay. is I am quite a toughie. And so I think probably the fact that I didn't ask them to stretch me off and that I hobbled off, you know, they probably yeah. thought, oh, maybe it's not as bad as it was. But this, again, it's not in my nature. You know, if I'm not really serious, if I'm able to walk, I will walk. And so that's <laughs> what I did. But it ended up that I'd snapped my cruciate ligament and had to have full reconstruction. And then three months after having this full reconstruction, they wanted me back doing the live shows, which were at Easter. My physio at the time, Mike, said, well, you can do it, but maybe do it in a brace to protect your knee and maybe stay off the contact game so that, you know, you can keep, you can keep going and, and it's not going to do any damage. And they said to me, no, you either do it, you know, without the brace or you don't do it at all. So I did it go. It swelled up. And then when the live shows came around again, I just said, I'm only going to do this with my knee brace. And they said, you can't do it with your knee brace. So I walked away. So that was really what happened. It was like, you know, no, my legs more important than any TV show. <laughs> you know what it's like. It is very difficult. But, and, and again, much more difficult for someone whose whole life was gladiators. For me, I felt, well, gladiators was a part of my life, but I was still Sharon Davis' swimmer. So I would then just go back to being Sharon Davis' swimmer. For me, I felt your your best events were probably Powerball and Gauntlet. And it sort of felt like you worked really well in the team, but that you'd also did well with Jewel. And we mentioned Pyramid, you did that as well until. Were you, were they your favourite games? Were you surprised you were so good at those games? Uh, I do like the team events because it was nice to do it with the girls. When we did all our tryouts, things like um, Skytrack, I was really good at. So again, my endurance as an athlete came in better on things like that. But they didn't want me to do that. I found that quite frustrating again because I wasn't a power, I wasn't a sprint athlete. I was a 400 meter medley swimmer, which takes nearly five minutes to do that race. And yet they were treating me to all the explosive things. So whereas like Judy was very much, you know, throwing shots, throwing javelin, 100 meters, you know, very much a sort of power event. Whereas I wasn't really a power event. I was someone that took advantage of my endurance. And it was very rare that I had that opportunity to do that. Well, because Swingshot as well, you know, probably would have been a, an event that you'd have been good at as well. What was the decision behind you not you don't to get do either? I'm sure, that, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you will get told that. But it, it's not your decision, sadly. You are told what events that you were going to do. But didn't, surely, did you not say, look, I'm really good at Skytrack. Just give me a chance. Please let me do Skytrack. No, it wasn't happening. First up to do battle is Jules! And she's going to be facing Amazon! Amazon, all oh, with a torrent of different blows. 
She's got it. No, no. Jules is digging in to recover. And again, Amazon was hammering but failed to nail her. She'll be disappointed with that. Jules, congratulations. Spectacular stuff. Pound for pound, that wasn't fair. But you stayed up there. Don't ask me how. All I can say is, if you've ever experienced a really loud thunderstorm, you've experienced nothing until you've had that over your head with such force. Well, there you go. I, I think my head's twisted all the way around and come back again. Well, it got you your five points. Well done, Jules. Amazon, you must have thought that she was going to go down. I did hit her very hard. And um, when you get this far in Gladiators, you have to work very, very hard for your five points. She certainly did that. She deserved them. Well done. Thanks very much. What about the, the man keeping order for everything, John Anderson? Did you get on with him? Probably not. John was very particular. Three, two, one. Nobody, he didn't want anyone to argue with him. He brought his sort of coaching background. I mean, he's famously, you know, Liz McColgan's coach, who he fell out with terribly as well. He was a very particular kind of man. And in, in some respects, that was good because you knew exactly where you stood with him. But in mm. other respects, there wasn't that opportunity to debate anything. And I suppose, again, that was another downfall for me because I came from an athlete's perspective. I would talk to my coach and my coach would talk to me. You know, we were just there to do our, do our job and do, do what we were told. <laughs> Talking now and you're thinking back, are you having... F- is it kind of a fond period? Because obviously you've got so much to kind of match and contrast it against. Was being Amazon a kind of a, a fun time of your life? Because there was a lot going on for you personally and emotionally and career. And being seen with a different mo- moniker as well from being Sharon Davis, MBE, and, you know, the world athlete that we knew you to be. Was there a change in your mind or your head at all? I think sport has taught me to be brave. It's the one thing with my children. I always say to them, sport teaches you so many wonderful lessons. And one of the best lessons it teaches you, and we, we we are kind of we have got a, a sort of a generation of children at the moment that aren't terribly resilient and resilient mm. really underestimated in life because life is pretty challenging so you're going to get knocked over several times mm. and the skill in life is being able to get yourself back off the floor dust yourself off go away and hopefully learn a bit more and be brave enough to try again yeah. so i think that that was always my attitude really was that you just have to give things a go and be brave and learn and even if you don't actually even if it's not a success you will have still learned well i don't do this you know, and that's what I tell my kids. I say, you often won't know, kids, what you want to do. But if you give things a go, you will find out what you don't want to do. And that was a bit of my mantra, really. So it wasn't like I didn't want to do it, because I did actually really enjoy being with you guys. I loved the other gladiators. I loved the general public. I loved the, 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 what the show, you know, represented, because it represented something which I don't think we, we see very much these days, which is a program that everybody watches together, that the whole yeah. family can sit and watch before mum and dad go out to the pub or go out to dinner or before the kids go to bed or whatever they're doing, everybody can watch Gladiators and enjoy it as much each generation. I don't know, there's not many things that I could even think of right now that, that, where that happens, you know? I'm very glad for being part of that because I think it was something very special. And I've always got my eye open to see what everybody's doing now and where they are and, you know, how fit they are and what they're up to, <laughs> and, you know, how many kids they've had and, yeah, and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's always just watching, you know, what the gang are doing. And I love the fact that I still occasionally speak to yourself. I speak to Jennifer, obviously, Rebel. And I speak to Kate occasionally. Yeah, and occasionally I bump into the 
some of the guys. I spoke to Mark the other day, you know, via Twitter. Yeah, still a big part of my life. I still feel part of that family, the same way I still feel part of my Olympic family. It's an international family as well, isn't it, Gladiators? Now, as we're, as we're going through the Glad pod, podcasts and we're reaching out to Gladiators in Australia and America, it just suddenly makes me realise it was such a kind of a zeitgeist of its time, the early 90s, mid-90s. And you're right, there's nothing quite representing that at a time we probably need it more than ever. I could listen to you all day when you talk with that wonderful athlete mind and how you, you see the generations coming through because you've got two Gen Zs, haven't you? They are Gen Zs, aren't they, both of yours? I think I've got one that's 27, um, who's okay. making a grandma during lockdown. So I have wow. a granddaughter who's six months old. <laughs> and then I've got one that's 22 that works in a PR company in the city, in London, in Shoreditch. So she's kind of batting down the hatches down there at the moment, working very hard. And then I've got Finley, who is 13 years old, but who's taller than me now, with great big size, 13 feet. None of you guys have met Finn because he came afterwards, obviously. Yeah. You know, Grace and, and Elliot were around at that sort of time. Um, and in fact, Elliot used to come and watch because he was a little toddler, if you remember, right? Yeah. Yeah. Grace came after we'd finished, but, but Elliot was often there. Those lever lengths as well, if he's like that height already, is there a swimmer in there in him? I know. Well, he said actually he loves rugby and he loves cycling. So those are two big sports at the moment, but he is a good swimmer. He swam club level and then decided it was too hard. He didn't want to do that anymore. I think he was just too clean, really. He's a boy, he liked to be dirty. Yeah, you know, they've all had sport. Grace competed for England at track and field. So she was doing heptathlon and Elliot played international rugby as well. So yeah, they've all been very sporting. You mentioned earlier about the injury and the injury on, on Pyramid. The thing that I, I, I'd forgotten about at the time is that you'd lost your shoes on the event and you, you performed most of it without them and then obviously you know Mandy fell on your leg and essentially your knee went one way and your foot went the other but you were interviewed by Fash at the end I mean you clearly looked in pain but again that probably what you mentioned about if you can walk you can walk you've been injured and yet you were very happy to stand there and let Fash um, mumble his way through through an interview with you Jet actually died you were the other gladiator competing against the other contender at that time and then you obviously went on to be injured in Pyramid at Wembley live shows later on was Pyramid was it just too dangerous? You were, you know, you were throwing yourself off this massive great foamy pyramid, which in itself was fine. And I don't know if, if Di will, will agree with me, but it was the problem was that you were intertwined with somebody else. Yeah. So you were throwing yourself off with another person, and that is the unknown quantity was how you were going to land, and whether that person was going to land on your neck, or you know, in my case, land on your knee, and your foot's going to be pointing in the wrong direction or whatever. So that was what you couldn't control was what would happen in the air or what the other person would do. So we were quite good at falling. You know, we could throw ourselves regularly from the top and know that we would be okay because we'd like to fall, but we didn't know what the contender was going to do to us midair. And that was the unknown quantity all the time. That's right. I used to try to, I had a little strategy on Pyramid because it was a a full minute event. And I thought before the lactic is built up so much and and it was John Anderson. He said, I want to see the double tackles. And we're like, oh, I remember being with Kim actually when I did have my accident in Wembley 96. And I want double tackles every time I thought well, you'll get one you'll get one towards the end that, that'll be the one but up until that point I'd let a contender come sort of qu- half to three quarters of the way up push- 
push them off to pre-exhaust them. So by the time you are doing that double tackle, which is exactly what you're saying, you can be as much more in control as humanly possible with another body with you. Because that is the bit where you are not in control. Normally, when you rehearse, like for swimming or any any athletic sport and the gladiator events, you could you knew what you could do. But when the factor came in of absolute, you know, you, you were not in control of another person's body, inertia and gravity, they are looking at serious issues. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love pyramid. I mean, again, that was one opportunity I got because I got to use my endurance, didn't I? That was the thing. Yeah. I got to use my fitness, and that and so that was always kind of working for me. But like you said, it was you know it's that unknown quantity to be honest with you. And in fairness, my cruise ship probably wasn't that strong because I'd injured it as a kid the year after I'd injured my arms and I'd got away with it in swimming because I was non-weight bearing. So yeah. I'd never probably had it, you know, it probably partially ruptured when I was a child and I got it stuck in the, a pothole at school when I was running and I twisted it all. But that was whatever was left of it was, was, you know, was just polished off. I mean, I broke my hip. I said, I broke my hip. Daley Thompson fell on, fell on me about a year ago. What was it, about 14 months ago now? And he's and a he, chunk of a guy still, isn't he? a chunk of a guy. Yeah, we were cycling <laughs> and I put my pedal on the, a raised lip and my bike kind of stopped and we were trying to catch my son and he just charged straight into the back of me bike went over and he fell on top and my hip broke into four pieces went on the bar where he fell on the bar so obviously my leg was on the bar and then he fell on the bar and so I've now got metal from my hip down almost to my knee I have um, morphine seizures if I'm given morphine so I can't have any um, drugs like that so I did a four hour operation on a local anaesthetic to have everything screwed back into place so I, I know that I'm can cope with most things reasonably well. So, you know, you talk about the pyramid. It was like, unless I literally had to be carried off, I was going to carry on. <laughs> the injury meant that you missed out the remainder of the series and, and it meant you missed being part of the international gladiators. That must have been a bit of a disappointment, especially someone so used to competing on international levels as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like Diane said, you know, it was an extended family. It would have been really nice to have met some of the American gladiators and the Australian gladiators, you know, and just to have enjoyed enjoyed that social aspect really of seeing what was going on in different countries. Have you got any of your kits still? Yes. Where's your kit? I'm trapped downstairs, right? It's just ridiculous. It comes to just literally below my boobs, and the shoulders are so wide I can't walk through a door. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know where my leotard is. That's disappeared somewhere. Talking about your kit, Sharon. So when you returned for series five in '96, you you featured in all the photography for the series, and you had a new two-piece costume designed and produced, which producer Paul tells me that he owns. The costume was was later adapted to be Laser's costume. Did you know you were getting a two-piece? Because I heard it was because your stomach muscles were your best feature. They probably still are. I'm such a big core person. I'm doing core all the bloody time. Except I refuse to wear it. I don't know. I mean, I'm like, no, I'm not wearing that. That's ridiculous. It's so small, it'll dissipate the backside altogether. Because we had a thing called bun stick. We used to stick our outfits to our backside so that they wouldn't ride up. And this little tiny thing, I was supposed to throw myself around it. I'm like, no, that's just too embarrassing. I have a child. I, he does not want his mum's boobs to come out on television. I'm not <laughs> wearing that. So... <laughs> Oh, Bumstick appears yet again. Although we, we heard from an Australian gladiator that it was actually bum spray down under. So slightly different. Oh, I've got stick. 
I've actually got it still upstairs in a drawer. I should oh, pull that's... it down, shouldn't I, to show you? But it was mine was like a little rolly thing. You just rolled it on your bum and then just suck your outfit into your backside. Producer Paul, I am banning you from asking if you can have Sharon's bum stick. <laughs> I, I, no, I was just I was gonna say it'd probably sell for a fortune. Damn <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were funny times. They really were. Oh, absolutely. And I, I know you mentioned about the, the leg brace and the producer said no, and, and that was it for you. How did you find out then, or how did it end for you? Were, did they message you? What would it have been in those days? A fax message? Oh, God. I, I don't really remember. I know, I know it did just come to an impasse, really. It was, you know, we want you to come back on the show. And I'm like, well, but I need to have this little bit of protection because my knee is not healed properly after getting it repaired, then doing the live shows at Easter, and it's swelling up really badly. And then it was never right that the actual, it's always been really, really slack. And I've had, in total, now nine operations on my right knee. There's just no, no cartilage left at all in it. And I, I wear a brace nowadays quite a lot actually to keep it going which works quite well um it's called an unloader and it unloads the joint away from where you've got no cartilage which really helps wow yeah really wow. it saves me having to have a knee replacement which i really don't want but you know maybe eventually i'll have to but the moment we're getting away with it i still don't do an awful lot of impact exercises i'm usually on an exercise bike on a cross trainer did a bit of skipping the other day but because of this big injury on my leg um it's taken quite a long time for, for my leg to repair Two years ago, I went rodeo riding and broke my back in America. <laughs> so I still kind of like to do these slightly mental things. You know, I don't ever want to be put back to graze, as they say, but maybe the time will come. I don't know. It's that mentality. It's it's just incredible because I learned fear on gladiators. Before that, I didn't have it at all. And I think it was my car physio said, once you've had an accident, particularly to the spine, your, your mental kind of acuity for not having fear and being really kind of confident about particularly heights and things, he said, you you." find that might change and it did it did for me so none of this is nothing none of this has left any impact on you whatsoever well yes i mean i don't do i don't do kind of what i think is going to be a crazy thing you know the radio <laughs> i didn't fall off i just yeah just hurt my back doing the radio in my I, and three of my vertebrae ended up being in triangles instead of cubes <gasps> so that wasn't very clever i think i probably suffer a little bit from the fact that my sport was all non-weight bearing yeah so super safe as you get older but actually having spent 15 years you know three olympic games over a period of nearly 20 20 years in total yeah. my body has got this incredibly ridiculous flexibility in its shoulders and its ankles and things like that and probably my bones maybe aren't quite as hard as they would be if i was a gymnast or if i was a runner Mm-hmm. They've never been. I used to go around my ankles all the time if I went running because my ankles were so bloody flexible that I couldn't really do it. So I just had to because I used to have to strap strap my ankles a lot when I did the shows. Yeah, they're upstairs. These sort of white sort of socks that I had to have. It used to tighten like crazy just to try and keep my ankles, you know, from rolling over on themselves. Yeah. But do you know what's interesting? Because if you had joint laxity and, and any sports scientists listening, looking for a master's or a PhD study, please do a study into bone density and long t- long in longitudinal study of bone density, joint laxity in swimmers. Because right here we have the key key subject. It's so funny you should say that because actually the IOC, International Olympic Committee, have just done one. There are 3,000 Olympians um, because they to show what Olympians have. So swimmers, we are lower backs because we all have very long bodies. So we have lower back issues and we have mainly shoulder issues. 
So for me, the knee came from, you know, a kid and came from gladiators, but the swimming would have, would have given me shoulder issues and lower back issues, which is, yeah, definitely have to deal with on a regular basis. And just immense flexibility, which again, for a swimmer is all about being able to reach and get the water. So you want to have great flexibility, but then, you know, that makes your joints a little bit unstable as you get older. Using the blue balls, it's Diane! first time out on the Powerball floor. Mind you, she's in good company with two very seasoned campaigners. The one area where we've mentioned already about health and safety, you don't really get too many health and safety issues at the Olympics, but you, you arguably probably do in Gladiators. And it was it was actually soon after you left Gladiators, that, that famous quote, Gladiators was an accident waiting to happen. And, and not long after that, we had the contender Nikki, who uh, injured her back in, in training before Series 5 as well. Absolutely. And, you know, we had Kate's neck, you know, we had yeah. her hands back. You know, I mean, I always remember Judy actually losing her nerve at one stage. You know, Judy was such a toughie, but Judy yeah. was, was bright enough to be able to stand back from an athlete's perspective again and go, I come from a sports background where I'm looking at all these other people hurting themselves. And you could just see where she actually lost the will to risk herself. Yeah. You just went, I don't want this. Yeah. I want my body to be intact when, when I finish all of this. You know, you, and, and that was it. I think there was a, once we've had a certain number of accidents, so therefore everyone could see that these things were happening I think then we were all a little bit more wary of it I mean you know I think it was Kate that hurt herself on Polax wasn't it yes you yeah. about it comments I mean 40 meters up a circular tube yeah. the spikes come in and you fall 40 feet to your feet so obviously we don't try to push ourselves away but sometimes you just couldn't get back yeah. you know you just didn't have the opportunity to push yourself away so you'd fall on your back and you would fall onto your feet you know from yeah. like, not very sensible so definitely was a few things that were accidents waiting to happen. Well, it was all a bit of a turning point for the show, wasn't it? Because uh, Nikki's injury actually ended up making news at 10 and it essentially changed the show. And, and I think Pyramid came back and there was like a red no-go zone on Pyramid to stop high tackles and, and smaller steps at the base. And Polax was, was ended up when he came back in 97, played on a, on a wire. So you had no dramatic falls then. So it's almost like, you know, your premonition really. And then Nikki's injury, you start, you joined the show at, at a turning point in terms of the gladiators and, and sort of drug issues around that. And you kind of left on kind of the health and safety thing. So it was an interesting in entry to gladiators and an interesting exit as well, wasn't it? Absolutely. And you know, the, the last kind of crazy thing I did was Bear Grylls the Island. And I have to say, that's another big accident waiting to happen. It absolutely Absolutely is, and I think that they've kind of sussed that. So I think that they uh, things are, are are changing, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if it carries on in the in the format that it's in at the moment. Somebody could get very, very, very seriously hurt on that program because there's no lifeline. You know, that's the problem. Yeah. Many of the stars of the show have themselves been injured. One former gladiator said it was a tragedy waiting to happen. Helen Wright, News at Ten. I wanted to, I know we did mention about Train to Win. How did that all come about then? I mean, had you been presenting stuff leading up to that or was that one of your sort of your first bigger presenting gigs? No, no, no. 
I actually, when I left swimming the first time round, so don't forget I had eight years off in the middle and then I came back and swam again. So I did the 80 Olympics, 76 Olympics as a 13 year old. The 80 Olympics where I won my medal. So I competed against these Germans most of my life. Then had eight years away, then came back because there was no trust funds in swimming. There was in track and field, but there wasn't in swimming. So I couldn't come back until I could have that because it supposedly broke amateur, just amateur rules. It was all very strange and all changing. And then I did the 92 Olympic Games, which is where I met Derek. And then I retired after that. And so I then presented a kids' TV series called, um, what was it called? Ace Reports, I think it was. It was kind of ITV's version of Blue Peter. I did all sorts of crazy stuff. And then when I finished Gladiators, I did Big Breakfast. Yes. So I was always doing, you know, bits of television here and there. And then I've been on the side of the pool now for the BBC for 25 years. I love having that privilege of being the, the woman with the microphone at the Olympics. I mean, how can anyone not, you know... Take, not understand how, how amazing it is to be able to be the first person to ask Adam Peaty how he feels after winning another gold medals at the Olympics or when Michael Phelps won his 18th gold medal in London because BBC were host broadcasters I was right at the front of the queue and NBC were not live so they said well if you'd like to have Michael first you can have him so I got to be the first person in the world to speak to Michael Phelps when he became the most decorated Olympian in history and for me that was a massive moment because I remember watching Mark Spitz with his handlebar moustache and his big row of seven gold medals when I was a little girl <laughs> and thinking I want to do that and here I was all these years later you know putting a microphone in front of Michael Phelps's mouth so it was yeah it's, it's, it's still a huge privilege to be able to be there and be involved and see the swimmers first. Hello and a very big welcome to the National Indoor Arena here in Birmingham. Once again on Train to Win we'll be testing our very young athletes on some gruelling gladiator games. We'll also be looking at how they trained at our gladiator training camp. So let's meet the most important people in any competition, the athletes. My loyalties are always with them, you know, always with their performance and, and their challenges. And, you know, I'll have the producer in my ear saying, get an interview, get an interview. And then I might have Adam saying, Sharon, I need to do a swim down. So I will say, Adam, go and do a swim down. Oh, sorry, we missed him. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to, sorry, Paul, Paul, the producer. But again, you know, my loyalties are swimmer. Swimmer's got to perform, so I've got to be on their side. So. Absolutely. You know, you talk about this, is your amazing profile. You're literally on the world stage as Sharon Davis, MBE, the Olympian and forever known as that. But does anybody actually come up to you and go, Amazon from the Gladiators? Great story. Here's a really good story. I was in, it must have been around the time that I'd stopped doing Gladiators, I would imagine. So, you know, late, late 90s. And I was in the supermarket and I heard this young boy saying to his mum, oh, I want to get her autograph. And I heard the mum go, I'm sure it'll be fine. Go and ask. I'm sure she won't mind walking past the frozen chickens. So (laughs) I sign my autograph. He goes back. And he goes, who's Sharon Davis? And I'm like, I'm so upset. And obviously it's because he expected me to sign Amazon, you know, and that was, I suppose, was my biggest fear as to why I'd not done it in the first place, really, was that I was, there was a whole generation of kids who didn't know who Sharon Davis was, they know who, who Amazon was. And you just have to morph with it, don't you, really? Yeah. Sharon, that's so funny because actually... I met you when you just kind of uh, become Amazon and uh, there was a newspaper article where they had your head on top of uh, like superimposed on one of the gladiators basically before you'd had your shot. And I met you at my local swim pool and I came up to you and I was like, oh, please, will you sign this? And you signed it, Sharon Davies. And I kind of had the same thing where I was like, oh, I really wanted it signed as Amazon though. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth more now as Sharon Davis think about it in the long run there you go yeah I've got cards upstairs Actually, hang on there don't go anywhere look up here Paul I'm going to send you one of these oh amazing 
<laughs> I still have her sitting on my little pile of cards. So yeah, there you go. So what was that you were showing to the camera just then? My Amazon, it's my cards. You've not got any of those left? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it was your actual your actual Amazon card. That's what she's holding up right now. Yeah. But could you yeah, could I... you sign one for Paul that says Sharon Davis on it? <laughs> yeah, go on. I actually uh, sign. I send them off, and I put my you know my autographs, and I go on two. They have Sharon Davis and Amazon. There we are. But I must say though that Sharon, you actually gave me one of your scripts from gladiators back in the day yeah, and signed that so yeah you made up for the uh the first one so yeah that's really really good to hear that you're doing your pt and can't wait to get to get you know stuck in teaching people because to train with sharon davis will be such a big thing for some people it'll be amazing yeah i love it i've done it to friends i've had quite a few friends that have lost loads of weight you know and they, they, they it's a three-month process isn't it you all know with exercise you know there yeah. is no magic pill there is no magic solution if you, you do need to apply yourself but if you have yeah. the, the right help and you have someone that maybe just brings their discipline. So I guess what the idea of having someone as a PT coach is that they just bring that little bit of discipline, like going to Weight Watchers, someone's going to stick you on a scales every week and I'm going to tell them off if they haven't done their exercise. And then talk to them about food and trying to just change the habits long-term because it's been very easy with everything that's been going on recently. Our only pleasure has really been food. I know. <laughs> and well, there's one thing that really they, this the, the nation needs right now. What do you think, Sharon? Should gladiators be looking to return in in 2022 for the 30th anniversary oh my god wouldn't it be lovely to get us all together in some sort of fashion you know I, I don't know how we would do that I mean I'd love to be part of that I cannot if I'm really honest I can't see it ever returning to television because I just don't think it would get through the health and safety nowadays the health and safety for if you think about the shows that they have on have had on the television and the one that comes to mind is the one that they used to film in Argentina uh, yeah, yeah, total total wipeout. Wipeout. yeah. 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 Couldn't, couldn't do it in the UK which is why no. I abroad because the health and safety could be signed off abroad and it, they would not they can't do it here so I think that's the problem that we have you know it would be a very watered down version and unfortunately part of what people loved was was watching the watching the drama and it kind of taken out I'm not yeah. sure it would ever be quite so successful I mean Sky tried didn't they I was going to say they about the revival what did you yeah. think about the revival oh I think because that jeopardy was taken out in a lot of cases it, it, and the massive audience was taken out the atmosphere was just never there mm-hmm. So the two things that I thought that it was missing was jeopardy and audience atmosphere. But they were great. I mean, you know, as the gladiators, they were absolutely fab. But no, no. Were, were you asked to return for the Legends episodes? <laughs> I was asked to do something, and I can't remember exactly what it was. And I had quite a lot to do with one of the guys that was on it, who was a decathlete, and he'd been doing some training with Derek. What's he called? Oh. It might have been Dwayne Predator. Dwayne. There you go. It was Dwayne. So yeah, Dwayne used to train quite a lot with Derek, and so Derek was often in our house. So I knew all of the background stuff that was going on with that so it's funny how it's all interlinked isn't it you know there was quite a few athletes that ended up on it final question then for me Sharon what's your favourite memory of being part of Gladiators the people honestly I know it sounds really just the other glads really the people you know the people that we moan to each other and and spent the whole days just filling time with I loved the atmosphere I loved the hands I loved the joy on the kids faces when they were involved 
And I love the fact that it was lovely to be part of a programme which crossed the abyss, you know, crossed every generation. And I'm not sure that we'll, we'll ever have that again. Yeah. So I, I do have fond memories of it. Just before we go, has, has Finley ever watched you on the show? I mean, obviously he's your youngest. What would his take be on it about his mum having been a gladiator? He's watched bits on the challenge, challenge, the occasionally threat yeah. of me. So we've caught a few bits and pieces and he's had a look at the annuals. And these <laughs> pictures are lurking around occasionally and he sort of sees them or somebody will say something. He's only 13, so it was kind of all weather truly over by the time that he came along. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But the big ones remember it you know quite fondly yeah and I always felt sorry for Derek I always felt like Derek so much more wanted to be a gladiator he was so desperate and he was so good you know he was he I, they needed to come up with a name like whip it or something for him <laughs> he was just so so fast and so so strong for his side but of course you know he wasn't 22 stone you know he was thank you thank you so much and thank you very much you guys david and paul as well thank you for doing all the technicals and for loving gladiators still so there we go amazon sharon davies love that chat um Paul, the one thing for me that I took away from, from from it was mainly the stuff at the beginning, really, talking about her being an Olympian and wanting to win, but perhaps it not looking exciting enough for TV. And I think the one bit like, I picked out was Atlasphere's when she's like sort of trapping the contender in the corner and she getting like sort of being told off about it. And I think that's the difference, isn't it, between winning as an Olympian and winning as a gladiator. You, you have to do it with a bit more style, don't you? Yeah, that was really interesting because I didn't even really appreciate that as a as a viewer of Gladiators that obviously it was important for the Gladiators to win but it was more important because it would be in a TV show that they did it in a really exciting way that would kind of obviously with Pyramid and stuff like as, as Dai's mentioned in the past diving through the air how John Anderson wanted so many kind of flying tackles and when they were doing things rather than like you said about the Olympics where it's kind of was more important to obviously win whereas I'm sure the producers wouldn't mind if the gladiators lost every now and then as long as it was kind of in an exciting way. I do remember a conversation with her about that. She said there was this like distinct kind of divide between just needing to win, desperately needing to win and making it look good. And she said, I can't do the theatre bit. I can't do that bit. It's the posy bit. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm an athlete. <laughs> and that's what I remember that conversation quite a bit. And I think the other thing that Sharon was talking about as well was perhaps being part of a team and how that was different to her Olympic days because even as a swimmer you would be part of a swimming team but it is very much the onus is on you as an as an individual as well and I think the the team spirit of gladiators I think has been a common theme that's come throughout these uh these parts hasn't it Paul yeah a hundred percent I think I really enjoyed hearing her kind of talk about how she was joining the show with Vogue at the same time and obviously had had worked with Di on, on quite a lot of the games. They were often paired up together. So I, th- I, I loved that as well, hearing that. And obviously how she came into Gladiators from being the kind of the presenter on Train to Win to then obviously going on to become a Gladiator as well and having to tackle all of these games from like solo games versus the kind of the team games as well and just how she approached that. Yeah, it was really interesting to 
to kind of cover that. The one thing we didn't really go into much detail about, but we did kind of discuss it, Paul, was about Derek Redmond. And there was, there's quite a few things really that, that kind of as a bit of a tangent from, from that. Obviously, we, we mentioned it loosely in, in that chat with Sharon because he was the Gladiator's timekeeper, wasn't he? Yeah. So he came in as the Gladiator's timekeeper and then went on to do the Celebrity Gladiators in 94. He actually beat uh, Martin Afire, who he even said that Derek should have been a Gladiator. So maybe we should have had that Gladiator whip it after all. But it was also interesting to see how Derek had challenged John Fashionu, who previously won the Celebrity Gladiators in 93. But for whatever reason, sadly, that, that didn't happen. And it was great hearing Sharon talk about how Derek Storr wanted to be a Gladiator. And it's just really interesting to think, one, why that didn't happen. And two, if it had happened, like how he would have, what he would have brought to the show, obviously from his like, Olympic background and things like that. So I, I, I think it's a shame that we didn't actually get to see Derek as as a gladiator because it certainly sounded like he'd put a lot of time and effort into training to obviously become one and being the kind of the timekeeper and, and trainer on the show, I think he would have had a lot to bring to the show as well. I think on um, remembering back, he would have brought immense speed and agility to the male male the male side of the team on Glads. He'd done, I remember he'd done so much prep to try and actually put on a little bit of mass as well because he was kind of a, a lean more of an athlete with speed and speed and agility as opposed to actually sort of strength and I, I suppose the producers at the time wanted the strength to be represented by size and I certainly saw all the boys on the show over the years kind of go through a transformation with that because they came in huge at the very beginning but actually as the years went by and we had athletes like Sharon and Derek join us the sports science was evolving for actually it's nothing to do with how someone looks size wise it's all about power to weight ratio things like that so I think he's brought some real class that the boys weren't they were to the to the to the boys side of the the team definitely and i think the other thing that i took away from that chat with sharon was her openness and frankness about quite a lot of her, her spell as, as as a gladiator and actually i think the same with rebel in a sense is that being a gladiator was part of their story it wasn't something that defined them but it was actually something that they both perhaps went into trying to think of the right word that they, they, but they were, both went into thinking, mm, do I really want to be doing this? But I actually fell in love with it and actually look back on their time now as a gladiator with fondness, which I think is, um, it was nice to hear. I think, yeah, especially with, with Sharon and, and becoming injured during her one season with the show and obviously how she left the show because she wasn't allowed to kind of continue with the leg brace and her kind of experiences of, of leaving, obviously with, with being kind of told that she wasn't allowed to continue. You, you, you wouldn't blame her if she kind of looked back with a bit of kind of um but she actually looks back on it with real fondness which i think is testament not only to the show but to her as a person as well she is such a professional and again like a stick of rock she's just athlete through and through and i think there's just the one show that we've ever really had that represented the you know the, the like the lyrics in the song isn't it the speed the power to be a gladiator and just that mindset She's like the ultimate athlete. And I remember sort of sat talking to her at the base of the pyramid and she had this the big brace and she was sort of taking it, taking me through it as she was putting it on. And she just said, this is such a privilege to be here. It's like the ultimate athlete show. But the other one thing she said, she said, I don't know how it's going to translate with be, me being an upright athlete. Hence, that's why her knee wasn't doing too good. And she had the injury because she'd spent most of her life as a horizontal athlete with no weight bearing. So it's very different for swimming. But for her, that was still part of 
the appeal was to, to, to press herself in every direction as this athlete that she was, no matter what the discipline would have been, whether it had been one of the events on gladiators or swimming or anything. She just has that ingredient. And I saw it in Derek and I saw it in, in Rebel as well. The, the athletes we had on the show, particularly the Olympians, they, they just have a sort of a different, a different set of ingredients. And I suppose as gladiators, we also had some of that too. Not maybe as much as an Olympian, but definitely as ex-gymnasts and bodybuilders, yeah. I think Eunice Urquhart once said, it's the eye of the tiger, die. Absolutely, it is. Di, Paul, thank you very much. And, and to Amazon as well for joining us on this week's GladPod. As always, let us know if you've enjoyed this episode and if in particular any new memories have um, or questions have come about off the back of that podcast. As always, you can get in touch by emailing gladpod at gladiatorstv.com. That's the uh, email address you need. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and like our page on Facebook. Good competition, good spirit, great sportsmanship as both contenders show mutual respect. Join us again next week for the ultimate challenge, the might of... 